Hello and welcome back to Notches Paleo. Hope you all had a great week so far. Just got back from California at Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Conference. It was a blast. So many people out there. It's insane. You feel like when you go to a conference, you feel like, oh man, we really are turning this health thing around. So it's always good to get that boost of inspiration to come back on the microphone this week. So thanks for tuning in. If you're someone listening to the show and you have health symptoms that you just think are going to disappear, they're not going to disappear. So if you have indigestion issues, you have some mood issues, you have some blood sugar issues, maybe you suspect you have adrenal issues and you wake up and you don't feel refreshed. These are the type of things I help people with. So I know you've been listening to the show. You know that's what I do, but it's always worth repeating that it's important to get to the root cause of these things and not just go to, say, a Prilosec or an over-the-counter acid blocker or an antidepressant or some sort of pharmaceutical that's not actually going to fix you. My goal is to fix you. So you can schedule a free consult with me back at the website, notjustpaleo.com. Click that Make an Appointment button up there at the top, and I'll talk with you soon. Any health coaches, health bloggers, things like that that want to take your business to the next level, I urge you to check out my membership website, healthbloggerpro.com. Now let's get into the show, and here we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Not Just Paleo. I'm here with Jordan Harbinger of The Art of Charm. Now, he's a guy who is ranked highly in a completely separate category of iTunes, which is sort of the marketing and business world. He's got a lot of different shows and podcasts, which you should check out. I just actually listened to one today, a guy named Michael Port, which is a really cool guy who came out with a new book. That's the first episode that you should listen to so you can hear the true skill of Jordan's interviewing skills. But he's in the hot seat today, and I told him just pre-show that I wanted to talk about learning how to become yourself And what I mean by that is there's so many people that get attached to who they are on the internet. You have the 160-character bio on Twitter that you're allowed. You have the picture of yourself where you have to be that persona. And then when you get to health conferences or business conferences and everything else, it's funny that you can see who is a genuine person and who is trying to be the avatar that they portray themselves as. And Jordan's going to come today and give us some helpful advice on becoming just yourself so jordan welcome hey thanks for having me appreciate it yeah man so i purposely did not script this show because that's when the golden nuggets come out you know that as a podcast host yourself so why don't you tell people a little bit about your show and what you've been up to you have a a previous history of being a lawyer and things like that that we may or may not uh need to go back that far but either way yeah sure so i started i started essentially doing this show in my friend's basement and we did it because we were sick of having the same conversations over and over about networking and dating and all this stuff and we were having these really spirited conversations that were influenced by my love of research and his my both of our love of research I was an attorney at the time or a law student actually and my business partner and at the time co-host AJ he was a cancer biologist. So we were both experienced researchers. We read a lot on the internet. We read books here and there. And we were really keen on getting to sort of nail the subjects of body language and nonverbal communication, networking, eye contact, all that stuff. And we wanted to unlock the code of charisma. And we were getting pretty damn close. And this is eight years ago. And we were having these really spirited conversations in bars. And guys and girls alike would come up and go, you know, I overheard a little bit of your conversation. This shit is fascinating. Oh, am I allowed to say that on your show, by the way? You're allowed to say whatever you want. So they were like, this stuff is fascinating. And 
they would join in. And eventually guys would say, gosh, you got to write a book, especially about the dating stuff, you know, the body language and nonverbal communication. And AJ was a cancer biologist and I was studying for the New York bar exam. So I was certainly not going to write a book anytime soon. And I still haven't. And uh, I mean, geez, I'm a talk show host, for God's sake. I'm not a writer. And so I decided that I would... <laughs> Looking back, it's funny, but I would. I decided that what we should do is burn CDs with us talking on them and <laughs> give them away to people who wanted to hear it, yeah. which it's so ridiculous now. But remember, this is 2006. Nobody knew what podcasting was. We were tech-savvy guys. I mean, we had iPhone version 1 the week it came out, and we didn't know what podcasts were. So eventually, AJ was reading you know, everything Apple and had heard you know, hey, iPhone's out. Now maybe podcasts will be available on your phone. And he was like, what What are podcasts? So he did some research and we found that we could record, go figure this, wrap your mind around this right now. You could record your voice and put it on the internet and people would be able to stream it from maybe their phone, but at least at first through a website or through this new program called iTunes, which had just come out. And so we went to Guitar Center and we told them we wanted some microphones that we could plug into the computer and they looked at each other and then they looked at us and then they looked at each other and said, what do you mean? Plug them into the computer. So we had to special order this thing called the USB interface that now everybody has. And we plugged in microphones that we bought and we recorded in AJ's friend's basement over drinks a few times a week for, you know, forever, still to this day. Although now we're not in the basement and we have really good, you know, equipment and microphones and we don't just talk about dating and networking and stuff like that and we're not drunk. So there actually are a lot of differences, but fundamentally the show is very similar as it was eight and a half years ago. That's awesome. Well, I think that's what makes it good too because you started out with your heart involved and not your head necessarily and that kind yeah. of sticks with you. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point because when we first started... And this is where a lot of sort of business folks run into trouble. When we first started, this was not a business. I was going to be a Wall Street attorney, and I, I became that. And AJ was going to be was continuing on his path of cancer biology research. We weren't thinking eventually we're going to monetize this, and this and that'll happen, and this and that'll happen. That nothing like that ever crossed our mind. And we were doing the show for years. And we were sort of monetizing in that people would write in and be like, I want to buy you a beer. Here's a hundred bucks, you know, or, hey, I, you know, can I fly to where you are and hang out with you for a day for 400 bucks? You know, that kind of thing happened a lot. And we were really cool with that, obviously, because we were basically still college students. And even when I moved to Wall Street, uh, I was still really in love with the coaching idea. And what had happened was since I moved to Wall Street, People were writing in and saying, hey, look, I want to learn more from you. And I said, I don't have time for this. I'm, I'm a full-time attorney. And I had brought AJ and a couple of friends to stay with me in New York. And I said, guys, you know, there's somebody here who wants to stay with me for like a week. He's going to pay five grand, but I don't have time to teach him. Can you guys teach him what, some of the stuff that we're talking about on the show? And, and they said, yeah, sure. So they threw together a pretty rough curriculum and we had our first client and it was his idea. And we said, look, we're not coaches. We don't know what we're doing really. And he said, yeah, you do. Trust me. I've followed everything from everyone and the stuff you guys teach is the best. So we thought this is really cool. We have sort of this weird business thing happening. And I talked about that first client on the show 
and it uh, it blew up. I mean, people were going, I didn't know that was an option. Here's my money. And then I hired those same coaching friends to come and live with me. And we started running our charm boot camps in my Midtown Wall Street, or not Midtown, my Manhattan Wall Street apartment. And it was ridiculous. And now we've come a long way. We have two properties in LA that are nicer than any house I've ever lived in. And studios all over California where I record and where AJ and I produce video content and things like that. So it's, it's, it's evolved more than I ever could have imagined. But the only reason that it did that is because we started something not caring about what the outcome was, that we just loved doing it, and it turned into a business that turned out to be pretty lucrative. And there's an element of luck in there that we can get into later if you're interested. Totally. So now I see you have the boot camps, and it's like you have the personal week-long residential program, you have this business week-long residential program. So you're actually with people in person. You're not doing just the online model, hey, buy these videos of me. This is in person. Am I understanding that right? It's it's in person and it's important because online learning, can, it can be effective up to a point. And I learn a lot of things online. And I'm sure everyone listening learns a lot of things online. You're learning things online right now listening to this. However, if you really want to master something and get really good at it really fast and cut years off of your learning curve, you need a coach. And it's not just for what we're teaching. I mean, you could learn how to ride a motorcycle online and you could probably learn a lot about fitness online. But you, if you get a coach to show you how this is done, you're going to learn in a weekend what will probably take you months or even years of practice. Yep, that's very true. There's something There's something interesting and I wouldn't call it weird but you can't put a finger on exactly what happens when you're in person and you're capturing that energy and that vibe from that person that you and I may never be able to express no matter how professional our audio and video quality is online exactly and it's not just X factor there's something to be said for tailored in the moment real-time feedback for example you can be a great personal trainer and you can film yourself with professional video gear and from 25 different angles everything that you're doing when you do I'm just gonna choose a really easy exercise when you do a push-up or a bench press right you can you can film every angle of that. You can explain it. You can show how the muscles are doing it with cutaway CGI if you want to. However, if I'm watching that video and I'm trying to do what you're doing and my butt is way up in the air and there's nobody around to tell me that I don't look like what the video is showing, then it's not going to help me. And even if there is someone there and they say, oh, yeah, your butt's up too high. So I put it down and they go, yeah, that looks like it's right, but you don't really know because you're not an expert. The expert is behind a computer screen and cannot see you. So whenever you have anything that's even remotely nuanced, which physical fitness can be, which certainly social interaction is, you cannot learn it as well as somebody else unless they're watching you and giving you real-time feedback. And even then there's an element of art to it because it is self-expression. So there's a problem when people think they're going to learn how to ride a motorcycle on the highway from an ebook, right? It's just not realistic, nor is it really advisable. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, that's inspiring me because, you know, a lot of the stuff I do with people one-on-one is just talking over the phone or via Skype, asking about symptoms, you know, how's, how are your energy levels, how are your sleep, how's your sleep quality, things like that. So I think the in-person element would probably even accelerate my business too. Sure. And I mean, even with training, and I'm just using personal training because it seems like a lot of people might be familiar with that sort of niche. Um, 
even with personal training, you can go over a nutrition plan online and you can go over exercises and workout routines and they can even have somebody else there watching them do the workouts and stuff like that. But having the same coach, keeping that accountability as well as getting the real-time feedback on the exercises and developing rapport so that you know exactly what they're eating because they might write down everything they eat. Well, I mean, but there's no need to talk about the extra peanut butter they threw in their smoothie. And, you know, let's let's not worry about the fact that he got up a little bit early today because his kid woke him up. Let's just say he got eight hours of sleep. If you don't have that kind of rapport, you're not going to get the real story. And the real story is where the last 10 to 15% of growth happen, right? It's not, oh, I'm sort of eating right and I'm sort of working out and it's working. That'll work for a while and then you will plateau. And that's why people who are like, really high performers, actors, movie stars, and and executives, and, and even just pro athletes who need to be in great shape. Tiger Woods has what, like three coaches? But, but wait, he's the best golfer in the world. Yeah, but he has three coaches. Those guys can't play golf as well as him, so what gives? Well, he needs that feedback. So coaching isn't something that remedial people need when they suck at a skill. It's something that you need no matter what level you're at and becomes increasingly more important as you get better at something because then it, you become less and less able to do anything unilaterally without any kind of feedback or support because you're operating at such a high level. So that's kind of what we're doing at AOC. We'll, we'll, sure, we'll take the guy who's you know, a little bit shy, you know, wants to get ahead at work, needs to fit into a managerial role. But I'll also take somebody who's a high level C-suite executive who says, look, I'm, I'm getting my butt kicked by guys who are better networkers and more charismatic. I need to level up. I'm at the 95th percentile. I need to move up beyond that. That's where you will succeed with coaching, both of those areas. So there's no, there's kind of no reason not to have a coach. Usually the reason people don't get coaching and training is because of ego. They call it lack of time or they call it lack of money, but usually it's, I don't need someone to help me figure this out. That's really the only thing that I hear whenever people talk about not needing coaching in a certain area. It's never because they're already good enough at it. That's a complete farce. Oh, man, I'm smiling because you're exactly right. When I first started this thing, I kind of thought, oh, I'm going to take the reins on my life, right? I'm going to take control of everything. Whoever's listening and you're, you're resonating with, with what he's saying, it's so true because I felt like I didn't need that help. I thought, oh, I'm starting to generate revenue. I'm selling these books. Like Things are going well. It didn't actually exceed my expectations. I didn't grow exponentially until I actually got coaches. And now I have several, some that are for health, some that are for business, things like that. So that is, that is awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's something that took me a while to learn because I remember even at first when I was looking at different types of coaching back in law school for various skill sets, I remember looking at pop psychology books that were like, networking skills and I was like oh what kind of loser needs that all you got to do is like walk in and be like what's up everybody and that doesn't friggin work right so after doing that for a while and then sort of having my ego checked I was like oh maybe I'll check out this book so I downloaded it and I was like oh my gosh there's so much I can learn from here but I had my head so far up my own ass that I didn't even think that somebody else could have anything to teach me on this subject yeah, well, that's why I'm glad I got you on the show because there's a lot of marketing, networking, et cetera, podcast out there that they're so full of fluff and you are not fluff. I mean, this is already more actionable information and 
what, 10 minutes or so than I could have gotten from other people in an hour. It's like they're talking, but they're not saying anything. Do you, do you experience that? Yeah. And I appreciate the compliment. I definitely, I definitely get that. And, and there's something with, there's something with, uh, with marketers. I'm trying to be really diplomatic here, but there, <laughs> there's something with internet marketers, especially that just, it, they, they just kind of need to fluff things up in a lot of ways because there's not a whole lot of meat there. Uh-huh. So, that makes sense. Not every internet marketer. I'm just saying a lot of info marketers. The, in fact, if you're in that scene, you've seen things like create an ebook in less than 24 hours. And it's like, why would you want to write a whole book in less than 24 hours? Oh, wait a minute. You don't give a crap about the product. You just need a product to practice your marketing skills selling. So the quality of the product is secondary to your BS marketing funnel. Got it. Okay. I like to do things backwards. I like to create really amazing products and give them away. And, you know, I will sell things that are higher end that require coaching and feedback, but time, time costs money, but knowledge doesn't, right? Time is something that's, that I have as a finite amount of, and that's, so that comes at a premium, but all the knowledge and stuff, that stuff is free. Info marketers do the opposite. They say, I've got a secret for you. You can have it for only 99.95. And that's a bunch of baloney because what is it that's so special that you came up with originally? And certainly it's not that good if you came up with it in 24 hours and plumped it, plucked it into a PDF. I'm sorry, if you had really good information, you would be kind of famous if you had a book about that. Now, I'm not saying all info marketers sell crap, but I am saying that many decide to market more so than provide info. And so for me, what we pride ourselves on at The Art of Charm is all of our free stuff is so much better than most people's paid stuff that we don't have to market aggressively because people can just consume our free stuff and then go, well, holy cow, this is the free stuff. What's the paid stuff like? And it's amazing. And that's the answer. But you already trust us at that point. So I don't have to say, you're going to die alone unless you buy this thing from me. I don't need to do that. And I think a lot of people do in order to make a living. So Yeah, well, I appreciate that because it's frustrating for me because, you know, no matter how good of a functional medicine practitioner I am trying to help people take their health to the next level, if I don't reach the people, then it doesn't matter, right? I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm worthless. And so when I'm actually digging around and trying to figure out, well, what can I do to look up to people like you and pull this information out, it's always this little funnel, this opt-in that takes you to these pages, and eventually you always end up at some shopping cart and you have no idea how you're there, and you're like, wait a second, what's even inside of this thing? It doesn't even make sense, and somehow I got here, and it's like 27 steps end up to this thing, and that thing is, it doesn't even apply to me. It's just so general that I got sucked into it. So I'm you know, grateful for you to be able to provide some actionable advice. If you had, I want to talk about what we were talking about earlier in terms of people being the, the real version of themselves and things like that. But if you had just a couple of tips for people that are trying to just be a little bit more productive in terms of their their business, being themselves, you would say getting a coach is probably number one. What would you say to follow those? I, I would say co- getting getting a coach may or may not be number one. I think it's a great start for most people simply because there's there, if you're having trouble getting motivated, a coach will help with that. If you're having trouble with accountability, a coach will help with that. If you're having trouble because you don't know what your game plan should be, a coach will help with that, right? So, yeah, sh- that's fair to say it's number one. The second thing, though, is is 
realize that you might not really want to do it. And that's really important. There's a lot of people, especially in the online business niche or realm or whatever, that don't really want to run a business. They want to go to the beach. They want to not have any obligations. They want to not have a boss. They want to be a digital nomad that travels a lot, and they want to survive doing that. They want to be able to tell other people that they're an entrepreneur. They want recognition and ego validation from going to conferences and speaking about whatever crap the conference is about, right? That's what most people want. They don't really want to run an online business or a business at all, I should say, because they have something that they have to share with the world. Most people just want the benefits that come with that. And if that's you, you are going to have trouble motivating yourself because you're not motivating yourself to go hang out on the beach and talk at a cool conference in the Philippines with a bunch of your friends about making money online. You're not motivating yourself for that. You're motivating yourself to answer 87 customer service emails because some crap that you sold people was broken or didn't do what it was supposed to or your website is down. That's why most entrepreneurs, or I should say many, need external motivation. They need some kind of, you know, get up in the morning and make it happen. Boss, like, I need that occasionally. Very rarely. You know, often guys like Gary Vaynerchuk need motivation. You know, often I need motivation. I can count on one hand the times in my life that I remember needing motivation for working at Art of Charm. There's the forums online where people are doing business and stuff like that are rife with how do you make it start in the morning? How do you get yourself motivated? How do you stay motivated? Those people probably not cut out for business. They don't really want it. And so you gotta take a really close look at yourself and think, hey, do I wanna do this or is, do I just want the benefits of this? Like, do I want people to think I'm cool because I do this or do I actually wanna do this even if nobody appreciates it for years and I make no money doing it? Would you still do it? If the answer is no, then you're in the wrong game. That's amazing. All right, so let me ask you this then. In terms of your lifestyle that you've been able to craft because of your business, it seems like a lot of people feel pressured into feeling like they have to be on 24-7. You see all those social media quotes that get posted like, if you're not hustling, you know, you're a scrub, you know, work yourself to death, et cetera, et cetera. And I find the exact opposite to be helpful for me where if I become more productive in less time and say I'm only working a few hours on a specific single task and I don't have 30 freaking internet browsers open, 30 tabs at the same time, I'm getting so much more work done in less time when I'm focusing on one thing and I'm not doing what all these little inspirational quotes say. So I'm just curious about your experience with that. Yeah, so I think we talked about, or you mentioned two different things. One was hustle and the other one was not, and the other one was focus. So I think that there's kind of a, a misconception of, of, of these things here. So focus, of course, makes sense, right? Don't have 30 browser tabs open. You know, you don't have to, to, you certainly shouldn't be working on more than one thing at once, but that's not what hustle is. Hustle is a term that's been co-opted by shysters and motivational speakers to mean like fervently f kind of spastically flailing around, doing everything and being super energetic and all this crap, okay? And 
That's not how most people do business. I'm not sitting here in the morning with like 17 browser tabs open and socialing this and reading that and also writing email and handling customer service. I'm hustling because I get up early, I start work, I don't procrastinate, I work until things get done, I do hard stuff first, knock it off my to-do list and then don't have to worry about it anymore. That's hustle. Hustle is not doing a bunch of busy work with no plan. And I think that a lot of the inspirational people that talk about hustle, they just say it because it sounds good. But those those same people that post crap on Instagram about being a hustler, half of those people, they are sitting around watching Netflix and they're hoping that their online business is successful because they built an Instagram following talking about hustle. It's just a buzzword, it sounds cool, and it doesn't mean squat anymore. But what it means to successful people is it means working a lot more than everyone else. Because at the end of the day, you can work as smart as you want and you can stay focused, but if you're focused and I'm focused and you work five hours and I work 15, I'm gonna beat you. Unless you burn out and then you run right. out of time. But most people don't do that. Most people who are doing what they need to do, they don't do that. I, have, I haven't burned out and I've been at it for almost a decade. So the can, is I've beaten everyone. So can you talk us through your day? Sure. So I get up in the morning, and by everyone, I just mean my industry. I don't mean like Richard Branson. Yeah. And it's, again, like, okay, burnout, fair enough, but I'll be honest, I feel like people that say they're burned out, they're in the wrong business and they're not getting the results they want, so they go, well, I'm burned out. And what they're instead of saying, well, I didn't really do the hard stuff. I answered all my customer service emails instead of outsourcing it, and I spent a shitload of time on Instagram. But, oh, I didn't build anything. Right. Well, yeah, you're burned out. You're not making any money. I don't burn out because I look at the results. I look at the people I'm helping, and if that fails, I look at my bank account and my family. <laughs> and, and not in that order, I guess I should say. Um, I definitely look at the results we get, and I look at my lifestyle, I should say. And it's awesome, and that keeps me going. I think I've never met anybody who's burned out that's like, I love what I do, but I'm so burned out. I've never heard that before. I've only heard people go, oh, this isn't working. I'm banging my head against the wall. I'm burning out. I think, again, you know, if that's you, if you're burning out, maybe you don't really want to do it. That's true. Yeah, I, I use the term burnout because a lot of healthcare practitioners, when you're spending time around like energy vampires, sick people that are just exhausted, it rubs off on you and it burns oh, out. You know what I mean? I understand. Yeah, I yeah. think anytime, yeah, to be fair, anytime you're dealing with clients that are, emo you can be emotionally drained, but I think it's different from burnout. Like my coaches at the Art of Charm, when we're teaching boot camps and stuff, after a week, we are tired. That Sunday night after boot camp, everybody's wrecked. If I call somebody, they're like, what the F do you want? You know, it's got this, but I better, somebody better be on fire. And um, so I understand that. But they don't, they don't go, I need a vacation. They just go, I need to chill and decompress. Yeah. And that's normal. But the people who go, oh, I'm burned out on this project, and then they put it down and they go, I'm going to come back to it next month. And in the meantime, I'm going to work on this, or I need to go lay on a beach for a week. You're in trouble. Good. Thanks for clarifying that. That actually helps me because I can identify with what you said at first as opposed to using burnout. So I need to just change my verbiage of what I am then. That's more of just work fatigue. Yeah, you can. Yeah, fatigue and burnout are totally different. I'm going on vacation next week. I mean, I'm probably going to still check email. I'm going to make some videos and stuff. It'll be fun. But I'm not going on vacation because if I don't, I'm going to run my car off a bridge. I'm going on vacation because it's the healthy thing to do. Yep. 
and I haven't done it in a really long time, and I'm going with my family, and it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. I th- here's a here's here's a cool little differentiator that just occurred to me. I'm looking forward to spending time with my family, being overseas, eating good food, chilling, relaxing, and being able to see new things and practice my Chinese. I'm not looking forward to it. Because, oh, and then I can, oh, I don't have to look at my computer screen. Oh, I don't have to check my email. Oh, I don't have to be in the office. I'm not running from anything. I'm running to something. And I think that's a huge difference. I think when I hear the words burnout, and, you know, of course there's going to be exceptions. But when I hear the words burnout, I'm hearing, get me out of here. I'm running away from this business or this challenge because I'm quote unquote burned out. And, and that's a sign that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing or that you're really, really not taking care of yourself. And that's also very possible. If you're a doctor and you're working crazy shifts, or you're a nurse and you're working with sick people that you know are throwing their own crap at you, which literally happens, uh, then yeah, you could get burned out and need a vacation. But in your running from work, it doesn't mean your calling isn't to be in that profession. It just means you probably need more rest than you're getting. Don't get me wrong. I still get eight hours of sleep every night. I just work a lot. Got it. That's awesome. That helps me to know that I'm in the right place. So thanks for that. Yeah. All right. Talk us through your day. You were you were sure. starting in the morning. It was, and then I got I got all up and I got all. That was good stuff. But, um. So I get up around 8, usually a little earlier. I know the trend now is to like get up at 4 a.m. and meditate and all oh, this stuff. That's cool. I don't do that, and it's not because I found a better way. It's because that sounds awful. It's not good for you anyway, man. Just a, a little side note. You know, Most people, your cortisol rhythm, so your stress hormone that gets you through the day, it's not typically going to peak until about 7 a.m., or later, so people that are getting up before 7 a.m., if you run their adrenal stress test, they're completely exhausted hormonally because they get up too early. So you're actually good by tuning into your your own inner wisdom and, and not doing that, but keep going. Let me tell you, just side, just side note to prove your side note, when I was in high school, <laughs> I signed up for a study hall first period my junior year, and it was a non-monitored study hall, and you could only get it if you had okay grades. And I was working my butt off, and I hated every minute of my life in high school because I was working so hard. And so when I finally stu- – I think it was like second semester or whatever, I, st- I signed up for that study hall. And it was the first period and the second period, and you were supposed to come in and do your work. But if you didn't show up, it didn't really matter um, because a lot of people would go work out or something during that time. I slept in every single day. And my grades went through the roof with seemingly no effort because I was just getting more sleep. And my stress levels were way down. I never remember. I was so happy that semester, in part because I was basically done with high school. I graduated early. But I think really it was because I was just done. You know, I, I not done as in done with high school, but I was just... I didn't have to, it was like getting up in the morning, I'd go to school, I'd sit through class, I'd work out, I'd come home, and I could do, I could do six, seven hours of homework, and I would be totally fine. Before that, getting any work done after school was like, you'd have to peel me off the floor of the couch. So I, I totally believe that, and I think in a, in a few years, if it hasn't already started, they're going to go, I can't believe we're waking kids up at 6.30 a.m. or 5 a.m. to go to school. What were we thinking? It's going to be like smoking. It's going to be so bad for you. Anyway, um, so I get up at around 7 or 8 a.m., and I don't eat breakfast. I usually have coffee, and if I'm starving, I'll have a green smoothie. 
uh, I start work right away. I usually do really important tasks that are scheduled only, and I only do those tasks. So I live by my calendar. So first thing first, I have Chinese in the morning, and I have a Chinese lesson on Skype while I drink coffee and sort of wake up. After that, it depends. I mean, looking at, let's say, today, I did Chinese after waking up, uh, after an hour and getting ready, shower, whatever. I had a 10 a.m. podcast. I had an 11 a.m. podcast. I had to write a letter to a bank and deal with some BS around 11.30. I signed a bunch of checks and stuff. I had a lunch hour where I actually went for a bike ride because I don't really eat lunch. And then I, here I am on this show. And then after this, I've got another interview. And then after that, I've got a quick phone call with somebody that's pre-scheduled, not just call me tomorrow, but it's pre-scheduled. After that, I have another phone call, and I got a dentist appointment after that, to be perfectly honest. And I've even got things on here like take out the trash, sign up for this data plan because you're traveling, call this person for dinner. I mean, this is all scheduled on the calendar. So I never run into the issue where I go, oh, I'm just going to do it today, and I just ran out of time. That has not happened to me in half a decade. That's that, awesome. Okay. I, I felt a little weird how much I've lived by Google Calendar for a while lately, but it's been the only way for me to create a sustainable future. So I'm glad to hear that that's what you're doing too. Yeah. It's look, there's so many people that are like, oh, I got this cool productivity app where I can give you props if you do your tasks and then you did mine and then blah, blah, blah. And I get points. Great. Do you have a calendar? Well, no, I can pretty much uh, stop talking. If you don't have a calendar, and you're going through all this productivity porn on the internet, just stop. If you don't have a calendar, you don't know what you're doing at any given point in time. You're winging it, which means you will not get it done. It will not get done. You will procrastinate on important things. You will not work out or whatever because you ran out of time. You will not have a social life or you'll have a social life at the expense of work. You cannot juggle things on your own. People look, and there's people going, I do it all the time. I used to do it, and then I started really running an important business that did a lot of things for a lot of people, and I realized, oh, the reason I thought I was doing it before was because I only did like three things every day, and they were all easy. So I could bumble around like a turd all day. <laughs> but... Now, I've got to do 50 things a day or 15 things or five really big, important things. I can't do that if I go, oh, I should go work out now. Nah, I'm going to do this. Well, maybe I'll do that. You're just going to end up procrastinating, even if you procrastinate with work. Like, oh, I should zero out my inbox. I never have to, I never think that because I've got a task that gives me more than enough time to do that at the end of the week. So I just let it pile up. And then at the end of the week, I go in and I clear it out and it's fine. And I outsource the other stuff, and I don't need to talk about that because everybody talks about outsourcing, but I get things done because they're on the calendar. If it's on the calendar, it gets done. If it's not on the calendar, it doesn't get done until everything else on the calendar gets done or there's some sort of weird cancellation. Like, Evan, you call me and you say, oh my gosh, I can't do this because my dog bit my face off and I got to go to the hospital. That's tragic. Okay, I've got an hour. I might go into my inbox. Right. There's other tasks that I can do that are not urgent. So so do you reply to emails during the week? Um, I reply email to emails. Generally not. I will look for important things and so will my assistant. But generally stuff just piles up. OK. I'm not to that point yet. So I guess when I hit that point, I'll reevaluate and give you a call and say, OK, what do I do now? 
but I try to just go through it. Like I try to do some important things and then eventually hit the inbox and then just knock it out in one thing. Like it's just so confusing because you hear one guy say, oh, what works is you you have to start from the top and work your way to the bottom. And then you've heard like, well, look for the red flag stuff and then go for the red flags. And then sometimes you miss red flags. So I'm always trying to find the best way to work through that stuff. And I know other people listening are too. Yeah. No, it's definitely important to have this stuff dialed in because all of the, a lot of people, it's kind of like those people who are like, oh, hey, I look, look, I see this one random exercise that works like the outside of your tricep instead of the middle. That's great. You ate 10,000 calories yesterday. I don't think you need to worry about hitting every angle of your tricep. You know, you, oh, you haven't done any workout for a month because you've been researching how to burn calories faster. Is it cycling or running? Who cares? Do something. You know, so there's a lot of people that procrastinate by trying to find the perfect process instead of just doing stuff. And yeah. those people don't succeed either, generally. And it's not because they're not cut out to be successful. It's because they're doing this as a form of, of procrastination, but they're disguising it, making it look like work. It's the same sort of principle that keeps people going, well, I know I need to write an ebook, but oh, look, my inbox has 20 emails in it. I'm going to zero those out and then go to lunch and then go work out and then go back to the book. Never going to happen. Yep. Got it. All right. Well, let's talk about something that sounds like it should be easy for everyone, but I see people struggle with this, how to be a real genuine person. And I've interviewed enough people as well as you have as well to know almost immediately, like I can do it with the snap of a finger where as soon as somebody comes on the call, it's like, yes, this is going to be an awesome hour or, oh my God, this hour is going to be really freaking long. (laughs) So how do you be a real person? So many people don't know how to do that. How do you be yourself? How do you be comfortable to be yourself? I mean, I can speak for myself only, right? One of the problems that people have when they sell themselves online, especially, is that they become this weird avatar where they have to become their tweets and they've got to become their cool Facebook and YouTube persona and they've got to become this and that. And I totally understand that because you don't really know who you are online. You have to be able to be yourself and yet you have, or maybe not, and you have to be able to convey that personality to the audience. So what I did in order to avoid being a fake weirdo, what I did was I simply made my real personality my quote-unquote avatar. So a lot of people will be like, wow, Jordan's like this outspoken guy and he talks a lot and he's loud. That's pretty much one shade of me. I can definitely be quiet and I am often quiet in certain company or at certain times of day or after a long day. But this is my real personality. This is how I actually talk and interact with people. And I'm not different, really, than I am in person. I'm more nuanced in person because I'm a real person and not just an internet avatar. But I don't flip a switch that goes, all right, you're podcasting now. I don't flip a switch that says, all right, you're on video now, other than the switch that says, you know, be a little bit more nervous and weird because you're on camera. You know, we're still working through that. But there's a lot of people that go, Oh, um, in in fact, when I first started doing the online podcasting thing, I remember going and meeting some of the people that I was talking to online and being really disappointed, especially people who are so-called experts of like dating and social skills and networking skills. I found a lot of them to be really socially awkward introverts. And instead of just kind of embracing that, they decided they were going to be this really cool guy online. So when you meet them in person, you're horribly disappointed, but they're used to you being horribly disappointed. So instead of putting themselves out there 
in doing it, they avoid you and they try to act like this cool, weird internet rock star guy. And it's really off-putting. And so they're stuck in this trap because they can't let anybody know that they're quiet and shy and off-putting. So they have to act aloof like they don't care. So then you end up with a guy who acts too cool for school online and then in person is a jerk. And that is not good for business. So they guys also know that. So they hide behind their internet avatar and their persona and basically make it impossible for them to connect socially because they're putting on a mask which drives a wedge between them and not only their customer but people who would be their friends. So it's a big problem. And I know a lot of people that market online that have big problems with that because they could never live up to their internet stereotype and their avatar. So they just hide. And they're very lonely. Yeah, I figured. Well... It's definitely a problem in the health space, so I assume that it was even a bigger problem in the marketing and networking type space. Is that a sustainable model, or do you think uh, eventually all people will reveal themselves and then that's it? Because it gets harder and harder as more people come online with this type of stuff. And the, I mean, the industries that you and I are, are in, they're really not that different. Like, we're all connected by like one degree of separation now, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Are these people, are they going to eventually fade out of the picture where only the real people will be left? Or, I mean, what do you foresee? Yeah, um, there's definitely there's definitely an element of, of a plateau that you're going to hit when you end up acting in a certain way, right? If you can't meet people in person, you're going to avoid instances where you need to do that. And a lot of that is at conferences or at networking events where you meet other entrepreneurs. So I know a lot of people... Uh, in in this like dating industries and stuff like that, that they they just can't get along with people and people don't like them, myself included. I really don't like a lot of those people, uh, just to put it out there. And so what happens is that when those people invite me to do something with them, I just say no, because I know it's going to be really annoying, awkward. They're going to ask me for something. There's nothing in it for me whatsoever. And I don't want to be involved with helping them, so I just avoid it. And I do love going to conferences where everybody's cool and helps one another. So what I've noticed is a lot of the entrepreneurs that you hear of online, like the Gary Vaynerchuks and, you know, those types of people who sell in a lot of these, the Tucker Maxes and the Lewis Houses and those guys, we all hang out. And we hang out even when we're not doing business. We hang out, you can go and sleep over at Tucker Max's house and have a barbecue. You can call Lewis House, play some basketball. You can do that. That's fine. They'll want to do that. You can't get a hold of some of these other marketers because there's nothing behind it. And they don't have any allies in the industry. So they, they only have allies who are their affiliates. They only have those business relationships. But what I've found is you can build real relationships and then you can still make money with and for each other. And it's better because then you have a foundation of trust. But it's really hard to break into that circle. It's actually kind of impossible if no one likes you. And there's a lot of people whose names I won't mention that have really popular YouTube ads or whatever, and people just think that they're awful people. And so they're going to be limited by that, whether they know it already or not. That's awesome. It sounds like common sense, but you don't grasp what you're talking about until you experience it. And I've had some people where I could say, hey, let's go on a couple mile hike in the woods because I talk about the benefits of being in the forest and stuff all the time on my show. And there's people who are like, yeah, man, let's go on a hike. And then we talk about, say, health or business. And then there's other people where I wouldn't even want to ask them. You can just feel the vibe that it's like we are only we are only together in this office space or in this building for this conference, and that's it. I would never step outside of that conference with you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That's interesting. Well, we got just a couple minutes left, but if you just had any last words of wisdom for people, this has been awesome. We definitely want to send people back to the Art of Charm podcast. I listen to it. I don't listen to many podcasts these days because I can't stand most of them, but yours is awesome. So uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, look, if people want to learn more about this stuff, you're already listening to a podcast, come check out The Art of Charm wherever you uh, get your podcasts or go to theartofcharm.com. We also have a networking challenge that we're running that helps people become better networkers and develop more personal and professional relationships, and that's at theartofcharm.com slash challenge. And we just email you some videos with some how-tos on how to sort of become a little bit more outgoing, expand your network, follow up on relationships. It's free, so people can check that out too. Sweet. Yeah, thank you for for letting people being honest and clear. Yes, it's free. Sometimes people say stuff and you're like, is that free? Is that paid? Is that an affiliate? So thank you for being transparent in everything that you do. You got it, man. Appreciate it. All right, well, take care. You too. Bye. All right. All right, I hope you enjoyed that episode. And now, if there's podcast guests out there that you would like to hear on this show, I can't promise that I'll have them on, but please email me, not just paleo at gmail.com. I'd love to hear who you have in mind and what topic I should talk with that person about. Now, if you're somebody listening to the show, you know what I do. You have some health symptoms that you're covering up with, say, Nexium or acid blockers or antidepressants and things like that. Obviously, I don't take people off of drugs, but it's amazing when you start working with clients one-on-one. You see how many people are dependent on these pharmaceuticals that don't actually get to the root cause of their issue, like low energy or indigestion or waking up and not feeling refreshed or just having depression and just a generally low mood. I've struggled with all of those things, so I know what it's like when you're down in the rabbit hole and you're trying to pull yourself back out. You don't have to do it alone. So schedule a free consult with me back at the website. Just go to notjustpaleo.com. You click that Make an Appointment button there. We'll spend 15 to 20 minutes at no charge so I can talk with you about your options and how you can actually get to the root cause and fix it and get off of that crap. All right. Now, if you're not on the newsletter, you definitely want to be on the newsletter. I have a email, an email series there where I talk about some of the most common things that I see, things like copper toxicity adrenal fatigue, digestive issues, depression. And I cover all these different topics in a series of different emails where I give you some of the root causes behind this stuff and what you can actually do to start working on fixing it. So definitely jump back on the newsletter. And that's it. If you haven't made it over to my YouTube channel yet, no worries. Once you're at the website, notjustpaleo.com, right in the drop-down menu bar, right under blog, you'll see videos. I have my whole video library there where you can subscribe and get more of my face-to-face talking with you health videos. So many people have given me great feedback already saying, man, this is way better than podcasting. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. It's just another way for you to connect with me and to learn my message and learn what I'm doing to help people like you across the world to feel better and experience what I call true health and happiness. So check that stuff out. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Take care. Bye.